0: probably one of the easiest and the most painful ways that China could respond to this is by helping Russia more in Ukraine. Welcome to another episode of America Explained, the podcast that brings the important voices and perspectives shaping American politics, foreign policy and culture to an international audience. Hey everyone, welcome back to America Explained. In today's episode, I'm continuing this theme of the summer of diplomatic trips. So in the last episode, I talked about Biden's trip to the Middle East. This episode, I'm going to talk about something that's happening right now as I'm recording this episode, which is that Nancy Pelosi's plane is about to touch down in Taiwan. It's the most high-profile visit by a US politician to the island since the 1990s. It's caused a lot of pushback in Beijing, it's caused a lot of uncertainty in Washington, and generally unleashed some pretty complicated and unpredictable political dynamics. That's what I'm going to dissect in this episode. I really hope you enjoy listening to it, and if you do, please tell a friend and help America Explained grow. So, I think we got to this point of Pelosi going to Taiwan in quite a strange way, what happened basically was that Pelosi had this trip to Asia planned for some time. She was going to go to a series of capitals in the region, and she was considering going to Taiwan, but she was been very secretive about that. She wasn't talking about it in public. In fact, she still hasn't said anything in public about this trip. What happened then, as I think her team were deliberating this issue and maybe talking over with the White House was that someone leaked the fact that she was intending to take this trip. And that really, really changed the dynamics because after that leak, it became very difficult for Pelosi to back down from actually going on this trip because then it would look like she was bowing to Chinese pressure. Beijing, of course, very much does not want this trip to happen for reasons that I'll talk about in a minute. So Pelosi got, I think, kind of trapped by this leak. Maybe she wouldn't have gone if it weren't for the leak, but now it's really difficult for her to back down without being accused of being weak on China, which is a very, very serious charge in Washington today, something that Republicans would really, really hammer her with and hammer the Democrats with. And there's also, what's relevant here is that there's really strange political dynamics going on here. So now you have basically Pelosi going on this trip with the support of most prominent Republicans, most congressional Republicans, but with the White House and the U.S. military and the intelligence community having made clear that they don't think that Pelosi should go on this trip. So it's really this issue is cutting in strange ways. Biden hasn't directly asked Pelosi not to go because again it would be really difficult for him to appear weak on China like he was bowing down to Beijing and stopping this visit from happening is not something that he wants to do with the midterms approaching. But the White House has through varied leaks and particularly through leaks to fav- you know, favorite columnists of the White House. So Thomas Friedman had this really, really long piece in the New York Times about why this trip was such a bad idea. And I think it's pretty clear if you read between the lines, because Friedman is close to many people in the White House, that that what you read in this column are basically the thoughts of the White House itself. I'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can check it out if you want. I think what's also relevant here is that Pelosi is widely rumoured to be retiring later this year. So this will probably be the end of her term as House Speaker. And I don't think that she wants her one of her final acts in office to be something that can be portrayed as kowtowing to China, not standing up for Taiwan and Taiwan's democracy and its right to exist. So I think that Pelosi retiring is a relevant thing here as well, that it's kind of raised the stakes. It's one of her final acts in politics. And, and I think that she wants to send a really strong message with this visit to Taiwan, that she supports Taiwan, she supports democracy in Taiwan, and she stands very firmly against China's ambitions to reabsorb Taiwan into China. And that kind of brings us to, to why this is so controversial, so I think all of my listeners are broadly familiar with the issues here, but just to run over them again quickly, the reabsorption of Taiwan into China is one of the signature issues of Chinese leader Xi Jinping. He's made promulgating nationalism, promoting nationalism, promoting the cause of unification with Taiwan one of his biggest signature issues, one of the things that is most closely associated with him. He's made it very clear that this is something that he wants to see happen during his time in office. And this is actually a particularly fraught political year for him, because in a couple of months, there's going to be the 20th National Congress of the Chinese Communist Party, At this Congress, it's widely expected that Xi Jinping will be given another term in power. He's really, really consolidating his control over China in a way that really surpasses any Chinese leader since Mao Zedong. And he doesn't want to look weak either. He doesn't want to suddenly be made to look like a chump on what's one of his most prominent and important issues so you know she's been having a bad time at home recently the chinese economy is really not doing well at the moment covid is is hitting china it's really causing a lot of problems in china and the last thing he needs is another headache you have to then kind of consider the other part of the context here which is the fact that the us recently has seemed to be moving away from its policy towards Taiwan, the policy that it's had towards Taiwan for a long time, which has kind of helped to keep an uneasy peace between the US and China. This is often called the one China policy or strategic ambiguity, The One China policy says that Washington acknowledges that there is only one sovereign government of China, that government is based in Beijing, but at the same time the US maintains unofficial links with the government in Taipei. So there's not a US ambassador in Taipei, but there are relations between the government of Taiwan and the government of the US. The us provides actually a great deal of assistance military assistance to taiwan as well and the us deliberately maintains this position of strategic ambiguity which basically means that the us doesn't make clear whether it would actually come to the defense of taiwan or not in the event of a chinese invasion of taiwan that event the chinese invasion of taiwan is something that analysts think may be possible and may happen sometime within the next decade so, this policy of strategic ambiguity has become more controversial recently. It's been more in flux because 10 or 15 years ago, when China didn't have the capability to invade Taiwan, it didn't actually really matter so much because this was an event that wasn't going to happen anyway. Now, most analysts, I think, would tell you that even today, this is beyond the capability of the Chinese military. But they do think that over a kind of 5, 10, 15 year time horizon, it might become possible. As a result of, of this change in the military balance, the one China policy has been coming under more pressure in the US. And Biden has several times during his presidency said that in the event of a Chinese attack on Taiwan, America would come to the defense of Taiwan. Seemingly with these presidential (laughs) statements just completely obliterating the policy of strategic ambiguity and explicitly committing the US to the defense of Taiwan. Now, what was interesting is that every time that Biden's done that, his, you know, the officials around him, the press people around him, have walked back those comments. They've said that isn't what he meant to say. That isn't what he meant. But it's created quite a confusing situation. Biden is someone who's known quite often to make gaffes, to say things that he doesn't really mean. But you know, well, personally, the first time he did it, I thought, okay, maybe this is a gaffe. The second time, or the third time, and subsequent times, it starts to look to me more like a policy that. This is the Biden version of strategic ambiguity that the president says it sends a clear message to Beijing and then the people around him try to walk it back a little bit. But they are chipping away steadily at the position of ambiguity and making it a little less ambiguous without completely obliterating the ambiguity. But many hawks in Washington want to make it explicit that the US would come to the defense of Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion. And the Chinese obviously follow this debate within Washington closely and and they're aware that as this kind of bipartisan consensus in favor of um, confronting Beijing has become much harder, within Washington, that it's possible within the near future that the U.S. might formally commit itself to the defense of Taiwan, which is, you know, if that happened, that's a major, major event, that Taiwan is the issue that's most likely to lead to a war between the U.S. and China. That war could easily turn nuclear and, and you know, cost the lives of tens of millions of people, have profound consequences for the world. And it's a very serious matter and is taken very seriously in Beijing because of how strongly Chinese policymakers feel about forcibly reabsorbing Taiwan back into Beijing's control. So this comes at a sensitive time. This visit comes at a sensitive time for Beijing, given all these other developments that are happening. It's also the case that Pelosi is not just any other US politician. She's the leader of the House of Representatives. She's second in line to the presidency. You know, so if, if Biden dies and Vice President Harris dies, Pelosi becomes president. She's a very, very consequential person within America it's probably the case that the separation of powers in the U.S. is not so clearly understood within Beijing. So in reality, Pelosi is in a completely different branch of the government to Biden. She's not a member of the executive branch. But the fact that she is second in line to the presidency kind of places her you know, w- within the top leadership of the U.S., And it may be the case that the Chinese just don't really believe that she is doing this without the approval of the White House. It's often the case, by the way, that dictatorships just have a really poor understanding of how democracies work. They make these kinds of miscalculations all the time because, of course, in China, the legislature is just completely a creature of the CCP, of the executive. It has absolutely no power of its own at all. This kind of Madisonian idea of checks and balances and and independent branches of government is very, very foreign and alien to the Chinese way of government. So we can't take for granted that Beijing necessarily understands all the intricacies. It's also the case that Pelosi is a symbol of the US commitment to Taiwan, so that's why her visit is so provocative. She's also of course a symbol of American democracy being as she is the Speaker of the House of Representatives. So her visit represents two democracies expressing solidarity with one another and America expressing its support for Taiwan's diverse, vibrant democracy. And that's not something Beijing wants. Beijing doesn't want Taiwan to have a diverse, vibrant democracy. Beijing wants Taiwan to be absorbed into the mainland and then made just another province in the Chinese dictatorship. (laughs) You're listening to America Explained, a podcast about the United States for an international audience. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, tell a friend, and leave a positive review on your podcast platform. China's been pushing back already um, against this trip, so there was a cyber attack today um, on the Taiwanese government analysts think that military exercises by China are quite likely. So China actually all the time, month by month, is staging provocative military exercises near Taiwan, including sending fleets of fighter jets that come into Taiwanese airspace, including missile launches, all kinds of things that they do. And I think that we we should expect to see something like this happening, if not while Pelosi is visiting, then shortly afterwards. What What's going to happen as a result of this visit? So I think that conflict right now, like actually a direct shooting war between the US and China over this issue is unlikely, but it's possible. So this is kind of a similar situation to the war in Ukraine, where you have the US and Russia staring down at one another, as they both participate in a third country, in another conflict. And we all know that in Ukraine, both the US and Russia don't want to have a war over Ukraine. They don't want a nuclear war, particularly, to, to occur between themselves over Ukraine. But the fact that they're both involved in what's happening in Ukraine creates all of these possibilities for escalation, all of these possibilities for one of the countries to miscalculate what the other will expect or how the other will react to a certain situation. They both have the incentive to appear tough and macho because they don't want the other country to think that it can get away with whatever it wants. And you're going to see a similar dynamic unfold here over this visit to Taiwan. So the U.S. and China will likely take a series of actions that are directed at one another. There'll be military escalations, so the U.S. has already sent to the region more ships, for instance. China is likely to stage some sort of provocative military exercise, and there's always the chance that something like this can go wrong. There's always the chance that something can happen, that uh a Taiwanese uh, defense operator gets jumpy and shoots down a Chinese plane, that a Chinese plane flies too close to an American ship and they, they hit each other, they collide and then they crash. And these things can escalate. So it, it's, it, it can get out of control. But unless something like that happens and that's unlikely, I think it's clearly the case that neither the US or China want this incident to directly escalate because they both have their hands full with other things right now. China is entering a period of very slow economic growth at exactly the time that Xi Jinping is trying to consolidate his power. And although it's great for Xi right now to be able to have like a little bit of a crisis with America, something that can stoke Chinese nationalism, that can really allow him to have a kind of rally around the flag effect as he tries to consolidate his power. An actual conflict with America right now, a conflict that China is just not ready for yet and and doesn't want yet, even if it might want that in the future, that's only going to really detract from what was supposed for Xi to be be a very stage-managed year in which he would take control even further of the Chinese government and and have his power consolidated at this National Congress. America, for obvious reasons, has its hands full at the moment worrying about the situation in Ukraine and its relations with Russia. And actually, American policymakers would really like to get China more on their side in this conflict with Russia. So the White House really wants China to be you know, not helping Russia evade economic sanctions, to be not providing military assistance to Russia. So uh, the White House just really doesn't want this headache right now. It doesn't need a conflict in the Pacific when it's already got a conflict in Europe. Both of those conflicts could go nuclear, and one potentially nuclear problem to worry about is quite enough. They don't want a second one as well. So a conflict's just neither country wants it right now. So it's not likely to happen unless, you know, something escalates. So then, but so we also have to ask, I think, well, what is the point of this visit exactly? This is the key question to me here because you could say that Pelosi's visit is a statement of commitment by the US to Taiwan. So it provides some kind of deterrence maybe against China. It's kind of saying to China, well, don't you even think about attacking Taiwan because as you can see, we take our links with Taiwan very, very seriously. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has been there to reaffirm our commitment to Taiwan. But I'm not really sure that this has much deterrence value. It's a very symbolic thing. It doesn't really change the material reality. It doesn't in itself make it any more likely that the US is going to come to Taiwan's defense. The fact that Biden tried to, if not publicly, at least privately, tried to dissuade Pelosi from doing this can also be seen as a kind of split within the American establishment that they, you know, it's hard to say, well, this is a very strong signal of our commitment when actually we didn't really want it to happen anyway because we don't like the message it sends. And I think what this really brings home to me is that I I could be persuaded one way or another that this visit by Pelosi was a good thing. I think that, of course, the US should be trying to signal its commitment to Taiwan. It should be trying to deter China from thinking about invading Taiwan. But this trip doesn't actually seem to be part of any strategic framework. It's not like US policymakers sat down and thought very carefully about, okay, what's our plan for signaling our resolve to China? Instead, this trip happened because someone linked Pelosi's travel itinerary or, or the, the plan's travel itinerary, and then she didn't want to look weak, so she had to go through with it. It's not something that unfolded in in a rational, planned way. So I really just think that, you know, actually, this is probably going to cause more trouble than it's worth. Already, it's leading to this big rise in tensions, and and a rise in tensions can be good or it can be bad. It can be good if it's part of some sort of strategic framework and, and some kind of plan, but there is no plan here. And probably one of the easiest and the most painful ways that China could respond to this is by helping Russia more in Ukraine. So, at least according to the column that Tom Friedman wrote in the New York Times. China has thus far held back from military cooperation, military assistance to Russia that's going to help its war in Ukraine. China might go back on that now. It might start aiding Russia more, which is going to cause huge problems for the Ukrainian government and the Ukrainian people, huge problems for the United States. And I'm not sure that was worth it for this trip, just for this symbolic trip to make Nancy Pelosi feel better about her reputation. And, I, you know, I've got to say that I'm a huge fan of Pelosi. I think that she's been a fantastic Speaker of the House. I have nothing but praise for almost all of her record as a politician. But I just think this one move is turning out not to be worth it. And and it's not actually this great capstone to her career that she maybe hopes that it's going to be but I think it was a little bit of a mistake although I do sympathize with the corner that she got stuck in you know where it was very difficult to back down from this because also she, she it wouldn't have been so great if she would backed down and sent this message that she was too scared to go I have I have no doubt that Nancy Pelosi is incredibly brave she is sending a strong message here about the commitment of american politicians to supporting democracy and the existence of taiwan but i'm not sure if that was the message that needed to be sent right now in this fashion well that's it for this episode of america Explained. thanks for listening if you liked this one we've got a whole back catalog full of episodes on the u.s china relationship and the geopolitics of the asia pacific please consider dipping into those or checking back in the future when we're going to return to this topic again and again it's one of the main things we cover on this podcast, so I hope you'll tune in once more. Thanks very much. That's all we have time for this episode. Thanks for listening to America Explained. You can contact us on producer at america-explained.com or through the America Explained Facebook page. I'm your host, Andy Gawthorpe Designer and advisor is Janice Killian. Music by Soundwave. America Explained is an APD media production. See you next time.